This episode of the Adventure Jogger Podcast brought to you by Joe Kern, Ultra Kitty, Courtney DeCiro, Paul Olson, all of our Patreon supporters, and of course you. Yes, I'm talking to you, the listener. The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. Amy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Welcome to The Adventure Jogger. Um, You are someone that I believe Mark Zuckerberg has been desperately trying to get me to get on the adventure jogger. I don't know if he's an adventure jogger listener, but for whatever reason, Mark Zuckerberg has decided that he will only show me Amy Haas updates (laughs) from Instagram. Yeah, you get stuck in that algorithm. (laughs) (laughs) You are in the adventure jogger algorithm, Amy. And, and I don't know if that's a compliment. I don't know if that's something you don't want much, many people to know, but you're in the algorithm. It fits. (laughs) You are a strength and running coach. Your Instagram page race across the States, uh, nearly a hundred thousand people besides me. So 999,999 other people um, follow you, your journey of discovery, of learning lessons the hard way, of trial and error uh, yeah. in many different ways has inspiring, been inspiring to so many. And so I, I appreciate you coming on the Adventure Jogger and Jack I John with me for an hour. I'm excited to chat. I always love talking about running. So any chance I can get, I am, I am game. Now, I will say that the Adventure Jogger generally kind of lives in this trail and ultra running space. Mm-hmm. But I think from time to time, it's worth looking outside of our own little world for lessons that can be learned from runners that are, that are in our same group. We all love running. We all spend a lot of our time doing it, but are maybe in kind of a different space and mm-hmm. kind of get a bird's eye view of our own niche and and learn some lessons. Um, yeah. But before all those lessons get learned, Amy, we yeah. have to start with you. Where's home? I live right now in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I'm originally from Green Bay, Wisconsin, but Columbus is home for now. Okay, so Green Bay, Wisconsin's where you grew up. You live in Columbus now. Have yep. you crossed paths with Columbus, Ohio's most famous runner? I don't know which one. There are so Harvey. many runners here. <laughs> have you have you ever encountered Harvey Lewis, the running school teacher? I have not. Okay, I need to get you two on each other's radar. Yeah. So you're a Midwest gal through and through. You are Midwest modest. Mm-hmm. Where where is home for you? <laughs> I grew up uh, in McQuanago, Wisconsin. Oh, nice. Which okay. is about yeah, it's about two hours, two and a half hours south of Green Bay. Um, My grandparents had a farm in Sturgeon Bay, so I spent a lot of summers in Sturgeon Bay. That makes sense. Nice. Yeah. Now I'm in Tennessee, so I I moved down south um, to to Tennessee. Amy, was running always a a big part of your life? I will say that even as a child, um, running was definitely one outlet that I was a very energetic child, had a lot of rambunctious energy, and running was something that my mom definitely channeled that energy into from a very young age. I ran a lot of kids' races and stuff like that. I will say one funny memory from childhood was she signed me up for a race and I thought I did really, really bad. I thought I finished last. And when they were doing the announcements, we realized that I had not only passed everybody in my age group, but had caught up with the age group in front of me and had finished last in the (laughs) age group in front of me. (laughs) And so when they announced me as the winner, that was definitely a defining moment in my life. (laughs) I love that. I love it. You're like, oh, this is horrible. I finished in last place. 
Yeah. This is this is stupid. Why did mom make me do this? I don't ever want to do this again. And then, you know, as you're probably and you're probably too at this point, you're like, why are we sticking around for awards? Yeah, like why we, are we wasting we our time? <laughs> right. Like, mom, I don't need a lesson in humility. I'm from the Midwest. I'm already modest. I yeah. don't need to learn humility. I'm from Green Bay, Wisconsin, the home of the most humble, uh, modest people on planet Earth. That is and true, so but... all of a sudden, you're, you're probably not even paying attention at this point. You're like, they're saying names yeah. and yeah, you're I'm like, I, I we were at, it was at like a mall. And so I'm like walking away trying to go shop. And then they said my name and I turn around and I'm like, mom, I won. And she's like, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're like, say what now? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So. <laughs> Definitely ran a lot as a kid. Uh, and then I played soccer. I like transitioned over to team sports and never really ran again. I ran track in middle school, but I was not very good, um, probably middle of the pack. And so I stuck with soccer. And then it wasn't until adulthood that uh, my cousin asked me to do the Chicago Half Marathon in honor of her brother who had passed away, my cousin. Yeah. And so we ran that together and that really re-sparked my love for running because I was finishing up my soccer career. So it kind of was a seamless transition back into running and came full circle a little bit. Well, did you play soccer in college? I did at OU, uh, Ohio University, not OSU, which is like the mega school in Ohio, but the lesser, <laughs> the lesser version. Because oh, if if you would have been Ohio State, you would have said, "I played soccer the at Ohio the State. Ohio yeah. State University." Because there's there's so the many Ohio State, <laughs> Ohio University, Ohio. which is completely different. They're not they're not the Buckeyes at all. There's something entirely different. Yes. But if you say it fast enough, it sounds really impressive. You're like, you know, I played college soccer for Ohio University, and you're like, Ohio State. On to the next topic. Um, one of the <laughs> I've often talked to to people, Amy, and runners that transitioned to running from team sports. And I've talked mm -hmm. to a couple of people that transitioned to team sports or to, to running from wrestling. Mm -hmm. That is a incredibly demanding physical sport. Right. Like you, you can't. Well, especially outside the heavyweights. It, it's it, once you get to the heavyweights, it's 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 interesting because it's really ripped people versus very big people. And it's, and that's, but when you're in those lower weight classes, you have to be it's very in an incredible amount of shape yes. to do that. Yes. Soccer is the same way. Mm -hmm. There is a discipline to soccer and a level of shape in soccer that yeah. makes the transition to running very very easy. It's complimentary to each other. And you're probably yeah. like, oh, great. Now I don't have to worry about where that ball's going. Yeah, exactly. And I will go so far as to say in high school, by the soccer coach actually pulled me aside when we were doing, he was doing cuts and everything and telling us if we made the team. And he goes, I want you to know that you're making the team not because of your technical skills, but because you set the pace of every conditioning. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> at that point, it should have been a sign. <laughs> Listen, Amy, we had to cut a lot of people and you were going to get cut and we, you were on the list. And then I'm like, wait a minute. She's a good runner. Yeah, she's. You can't dribble to save her life. She, the ball's going everywhere, but mm -hmm. she can go back and forth like it's nobody's business. <laughs> if that's not a sign all day long, but you wouldn't want me there <laughs> you're like coach can i can i touch the ball no 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 nope. we don't need you to do that you're a practice only participant <laughs> i am always impressed though i had an intern uh that worked uh, at that where i where i work professionally I don't podcast professionally. I'm not that big. This is not a Joe Rogan experience, folks. There is no interns for this podcast. My intern at my nine to five job that pays 90% of the bills, um, she was on the soccer team for the local university and the mm -hmm. leg strength, holy crap. Yeah. I had to say to her, I'm like, you, what made you think you could wear yoga pants to work? And she's like, no, these are dress pants. And I'm like, good Lord, your quads are gigantic. 
I am the same exact way. It is a blessing and a curse when it comes to running a little bit because like you just have so much muscle mass and that's so much weight to carry. And that does add an element of challenge, especially like it's just hard to carry my, sometimes my legs get so fatigued out there when you're running really, really fast. But it's also a blessing because I have had next to zero injuries, like just almost none because of just the strength in my legs. So soccer was definitely a great, great, you know, a great thing to do before this journey. Was, was there things you learned when it came to the strength building? Because college soccer athletes at Ohio University and the Ohio State University and many others mm-hmm. don't just walk onto the soccer field for practice and then leave. There is a weightlifting discipline yes. to college soccer. Were there workouts or things that you took from your time as a college soccer athlete that you still use today in your running? Oh, absolutely. I do a lot of strength even still. Um, and that's why I got my strength like certification, because I think that is one element of running that is super overlooked. And it's so important. It is, it cannot be understated. Like if you want to run longer and faster, like the way to do that is to set yourself up with that strength. But yeah, I, I definitely take a lot of the workouts, take a lot of the, even just the mindset around, you know, preparing your body and making sure that you are recognizing those imbalances and recognizing when something hurts, what that could be a sign of. And like all of those little things have to be based in strength. It has to go back to a strength route. So, yeah. It is funny that most people that find running through a different route that aren't college athletes or, Mm -hmm. you know, wrestlers or football players or soccer players, um, we completely, and I'm throwing myself in this category, we're like, weights? Wait a minute. I'm doing this so I don't have to do that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. Wait a minute. Strength training? Are you insane? I don't want to strength train. Mm -hmm. I just want to run. I think it's because, I don't know if it's because we know we have to do it, but we're afraid to do it, Uh or we just are so overwhelmed by the strength training, and we see so many workouts on TikTok or Instagram, and we're like, I don't even know like how far into weight training. Yeah. Right. What what, do, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Right. And I and and I'm not gonna ask you to to create a custom strength plan for every runner right now because you are a coach. Mm-hmm. And you know, but but like a drug dealer, you want to give people just a okay. little sample so, for free. Yeah. And then they'll pay for you. Um what is, if you could say, let's just say there's one exercise, you're only allowed to pick one exercise mm-hmm. for whatever reason, you know, the United States has fallen into, into chaos. We are no longer a democracy. We are a runocracy and a weightliftocracy, and we are only allowed one exercise, one weightlifting exercise, More oh, only one. What is it, Amy? So, I mean, if I could pick a category, it would be like single leg stuff. Um, just in general is like super crucial for runners. So like single leg squats and split squats and any of those things that can work one isolated leg is super important because when we're running, we're rarely on both feet at the same time. We are almost always supporting our body weight unbalanced on one foot. And so having that strength to support yourself when you're taking off and landing is super important. That's how you avoid those like weird steps and hurting your knees and your ankles and everything. Um, okay. So, so it's like the leg. Okay. All right. So whether you pick to do pistol squats or mm-hmm. the things that people do where they hold the dumbbells and then they go down on one mm-hmm. uh, or split leg. deadlifts or, you know, yeah, squats, um, even just like jumping back and forth on one leg or on one foot mm-hmm. and jumping up and back. Those are all super important just to develop that that strength to support your knees and, and everything. What like because I know a lot of us and I, I'm basically I, I heard a joke once, um, and this will all make sense, that said that podcasting exists because uh, men just simply refuse to go to therapy. That's that's what <laughs> and so as a man who simply refuses to go to therapy, and uh, I'm going to uh, you know talk about an insecurity that I have. 
I'm scared of the gym because as a, I don't, yeah, exactly. Cause I'm, I, I don't look good in a spaghetti strap tank top and I just don't fit in. And, and, and I, I don't want to be judged. Um, you know, and, and, and even though nobody cares, I'm there. What is something like you can do that at home? What you like, you really can just get some dumbbells or, or a kettlebell or something. You just do a, a lot of the stuff at home. Oh, for sure. And honestly, a lot of it can, like, especially if you're just starting out, can be done just with body weight. I mean, body weight is always going to be better than doing nothing at all. You're still supporting your entire weight. So body weight is great. Anything with like some dumbbells, that's all I use. And I, I mean, I'm a strength coach and I pick up a few dumbbells and I have one resistance band and that's pretty much all I need is, is those two things. That's great. Okay. I can handle this. I can handle this weight training stuff with all my insecurities about going to the gym. I feel I feel much better about this now. Thank you. And now another week that I can completely avoid therapy. Yeah, exactly. Is- <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Still won't do it. You saved me money. This is this yeah. is this is so great, Amy. From strength and all that it entails, and that's great advice. And I hope you know that can maybe change someone's running trajectory from constant injuries to some more durability and a 2024 that is filled with more miles, more smiles and and, and pushing Mm -hmm. ourselves out of our comfort zone. We need to go back a minute in the conversation. Yeah. You run the Chicago half marathon with your your sister because- With my cousin. Cousin, because her husband had passed. Her brother. Brother. (laughs) I didn't write that down in my notes. We're going to go ahead and cut that out. Here we go. So, Amy, (laughs) you ran the Chicago Half Marathon because your cousin, um, her brother, had Mm -hmm. passed, and you did that to honor him. And that was your first half marathon. Did you train at all going into that? Did you download a training plan? Or you're like, I'm a college soccer player. I don't need to train. I'm just going to run this. I have... Fun fact, never followed a training plan ever in my life. Um, I've trained for over 50 half marathons and I have made my own plan every single time and just kind of ran a little bit differently each time and kind of keep tweaking it. But I've never followed like somebody's plan per se. Um, So I didn't have a plan, but I did know in general that I needed to build up for that long run. Um, The long run was really the one thing that I was like, that has to be structured. The rest can kind of fall into place and fall around my soccer training because I was still doing soccer at that point. Um, So everything kind of had to fall around that. But the long run was the key in like actually building up to that half marathon. Okay. So for for you in the long run, that was the most important. Like you built everything around that long run. Yep. How did you approach that long run early on? Was it something where it was slow and steady beyond the racing distance? Or when I first started running, I could not run more than two or three miles without like not like needing to stop. So I actually built my endurance and I would go to the gym every day and I would spend like 40 minutes on the elliptical, 20 minutes on the treadmill. Then the next week I would try to do 30 minutes on the elliptical, 30 minutes on the treadmill. Then the next week I like, so I like tricked myself into being able to run like for like 60 minutes. And I was like, okay, now we're good. We can do this. I can run for 60 minutes. I'll probably have to do double that on my first half marathon, but we are good to go. Yeah. I, I started from, I literally just started out on, on an elliptical because I just didn't, I didn't want to run and I wasn't good at it and I hated it because I wasn't good at it. And so it just kept, it take time to build up to that. But yeah, I just, I would stop when I needed to. And I told myself like, basically just get it done. Just get the distance done. The time doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And that's how I trained. Um, what was that first finishing time the for the Chicago half marathon. It was an eight, uh, one fifty-five. So I think it was like an eight fifty or an eight fifty-five. Um, it's not bad. No, it wasn't, but I did. I was disappointed because I went out too fast and I did end up like needing to walk and like, which is not a failure in any possible way, but it was, it wasn't what I wanted to do that race. I wanted to finish feeling strong and I didn't. So 
I was frustrated, but I was also so elated that I had finished. And the end of your first race is like the coolest experience ever. Um, mm-hmm. There's just something so special in like, there's so much pride. It's, it's awesome. It is. It really is. Spoiler alert, by the way, people. Uh, Amy has taken 35 minutes off of that first uh, Chicago Bank of America half marathon time yeah. all those years ago. 35 minutes off, off of a half marathon. Uh, that's impressive. What made you decide? Because that first one, you right, you finish, you're elated. You're probably saying to yourself, heck, if I didn't walk you know, all mm-hmm. that, I probably could have done a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, do you quickly go to the next one or do you kind of shelf the running until after soccer's done? Yeah, I totally shelved it. I really didn't think about it again. I was like, that was great. All right. <laughs> done, done with my running career again. And then about a year went by and my cousin reaches back out and she's just poking me. Like she reaches back out and she's like, Hey, when you come to green Bay, there's actually going to be a half marathon. Do you want to do it together? I'm going to sign up. So I'm like, oh, sure, I'll do one more. So a year goes by and I trained for another one um, and ran my second one in Wisconsin with her when I went back to visit my family. Makes perfect sense. And by the way, if people don't know, the Green Bay Marathon, a little different than most marathon and half marathons, um, at the water stops, they have Miller Lite and bratwurst. There's no, there's no gels. You get a, you get a Johnsonville brat and you get a Miller light. (laughs) Does that one finish at Lambeau? Um, I don't believe this one did, but I have done a race that finished at Lambeau. Um, but I don't think this one did. I think it was like the Cellcom something. I don't know. Okay, It was a smaller race. How was it finishing the race you eventually did that finished in Lambeau? How was it finishing that was in that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not so, many people get to run on that turf. No, it was it was awesome. I will definitely always remember that. It's so big. It's just like you feel so tiny running in there. And the weirdest thing for people that don't know, like most stadiums are in a they're in a city and they're in some part of the city next to office buildings or whatever. Like like Nashville, the stadium we have for the Titans is down by the river. So there mm-hmm. you are. By the Cumberland River, you got the yep. beautiful skyline behind you. You know, you've got businesses all around. Where Lambo, there are neighborhoods. It neighborhoods built in the sixties. <laughs> it's like a Chuck E. Cheese in a bunch of neighborhoods. You're like, where are you? <laughs> Hey, here you are. And you and, and and thank God for GPS, or else you'd be like, I'm in a neighborhood and the finish line's Lambo, and I this has got to be 12 miles into this thing. There's yeah, a place over there. I brought my husband home to like meet my family when we had first started dating, and he was like, Oh, let's go see Lambo. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, We are almost there. And he's like, Where are you kidding? And I was like, No, this is where it is. Like, it's right there. It's like, Right around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that people are losing their crap online because someone is selling their house? They have like a it's like a twenty five hundred square foot house on a corner lot right by Lambeau Field. Like oh, you yeah. can see Lambeau Field from their front yard, and they're selling it for something like like six hundred thousand dollars. People are like six hundred thousand oh. dollars to live next to a stadium. That's cheap. Yeah, it's ridiculous. They Airbnb those places. They have a bunch of Airbnbs now right there. And they mm-hmm. Airbnb them for so much money. And it's like just these houses next to Lambo. <laughs> so- right. And it's funny because, you know, if if you didn't have family that lived in Green Bay, if you'd go run races in Green Bay and you try to get an Airbnb, you're like, what the hell is going on here? This is some small town in the Midwest. Why am I paying $700 a night? Oh, because it's near Lambo. Yeah. My brother owns Airbnbs in Green Bay. So Does he? Really cashed in on that. Oh, well, his, his, I'll tell you what, you better get nice Christmas gifts from him. He better not be skimping, you know? Like, come on, we know you got money. You got Airbnbs by Lambo. Yeah. We know. <laughs> yeah. When did the idea pop into your noodle to run? a half marathon in all the states. Yeah. So 
the next year, another year goes by, I ran Ohio, like I did one here where I live yes. for fun. Um, and after that, my mom kind of made the suggestion like, oh, it would be cool if you did Indiana too, and we could get like kind of the Midwest. And I thought mm-hmm. that was a, a pretty cool idea. And by that point, my mom had been to all of them with me. And so yeah. we went to that one. And at that one, I ended up doing a lot better performance wise than I had at any of them. I like knocked a bunch of time off of my pace. And I kind of got into that mindset of like, oh, shoot, like, I kind of want to do more of these. Like, I kind of want to see how far I can go. And I started kind of throwing that around with my mom. And she was like, well, let's just go to Pennsylvania. And so that is when we kind of decided, hey, let's like try to keep going. Let's try to keep doing these states. And my mom has actually been to almost every single one with me now. And she's been, I I think she's only missed three. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So the race in Indiana, you see a massive improvement. Mm -hmm. You no longer need your cousin to make up something to get you to run a race. Like you're no longer going like, I only run half marathons if my cousin calls and and runs the cousin. Looking back at that massive improvement, can you kind of think of like why you were able to make a massive jump in- I think a lot of it had to do with like just becoming more consistent at running. So that year I did two. I did the one in Ohio and then I did the one in Indiana later that year. And so I think the fact that I had trained earlier in the year and not taken like half a year off between these different (laughs) training cycles. Waiting on your cousin. Like (laughs) I'm not running until she comes. (laughs) <laughs> you see her, you, you look at your phone and you see your name and you're like, oh, better start running. Yep. But I think that helped a lot um, with just like the fact that I was running more consistently and actually prioritizing it instead of just running when I had to train for a race. Like I, it became more of a lifestyle, right? Like yeah. it starts to become a lifestyle and then you start to see it add up over time. Um, so that, that was a major difference. Uh, yeah, and then I think I think just like the energy of that race in particular, um, there were a lot of colleges there and like a lot of good runners who were like in teams there training. And I think the competitiveness in me really came out and I was like, oh, I want to catch that person. Oh, I want to catch that person. And so I just kind of got caught up in the energy of that particular race. When did you decide that you had to as the kids say, get on the gram and chronicle this journey on Instagram? That's a good question. Uh, I would say it was around that same time, probably around like state five or six that I thought, well, if I'm going to start doing this, if I'm going to start traveling, I want to remember it somehow. I want to remember all the stories and have the photos and I want kind of a diary of sorts. And I started a blog, but that felt like it was just more personal for me. And I really wanted something that was more like accountability and like, I want to share it with others and like, let others see this journey. And so I started the Instagram and I had no idea that it was going to become a thing. It was just like, because here you are, you're blogging, right? And who reads blogs anymore, (laughs) right? Like, had you stayed in the blog space, Amy? You would be typing and your husband would be making sure he read it so you would see one reader like, count one like in my email. on your blog, right? And he'd be like, you know, you're getting a little wordy. Maybe dial it back a little bit. That's a lot for 13.1 miles. But then you step into the world of Instagram. Yeah. And you are probably thinking, listen, I'm Amy Haas. I'm just a kid from Green Bay, Wisconsin. I live in Ohio. I only run when my cousin calls me up and gives me a reason to. And you start chronicling this, thinking like family and friends are going to be on this. Um, you know, your 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 husband's at work going, hey, like my wife's got this Instagram page. It's called Run Across Race Across the States. Just follow it. I want her to nice. be nice. Follow it. You're thinking, you know what? 500 people yep. are going to look at my running posts and go, this is great. Your grandma's going to give it a heart. She yeah. doesn't even have Instagram, but she got one. 
just so she could yep. give you hearts on your running pictures. But at some point, Amy, you had to, and I don't know if this happened. I'm picturing this happened after a run. You know, you're, you're, you're a couple months into this, you know, you're chronicling your journey on Instagram. And all of a sudden you open your phone and you go, good Lord, there's 50,000 people here. It didn't happen quite like that, but it did, it did. There were definitely moments like that along this entire buildup where all of a sudden, like a bunch of people follow you or all of a sudden, like one video or one photo goes crazy or you start getting like all these questions. I, the biggest change was when my DMs started blowing up and I was like, I can't mm-hmm. keep up with messages. What in the world? Mm-hmm. This is insane. Um, but that was probably also the coolest part because people started asking me questions and started asking me about my training. And I started realizing like, wow, there's like such a community in this space that I did not even know existed. And the running community is so strong. It is like, it's just a very strong and welcoming space. So yeah, yeah, definitely was a crazy buildup. Was there a moment of disbelief? Like, did I log into someone else's by mistake? You know, cause you're, I mean, I, listen, I've, I've talked about this before. There is a Midwest modesty that, that you and I understand growing up in the Midwest. You don't really brag on yourself. You don't really, you know, it's just, we don't, we don't do that. You know, we don't, we don't brag on ourselves, but there had to have been a moment where you're like, did I log into someone else's by mistake? You're like, oh my God, they're all here for me. Yeah, no, there have been moments in particular, the moment when I had to turn off all notifications for Instagram, because I was like, this is not happening anymore. Like I cannot get, like my phone would just start blowing up immediately when I posted something. And I was like, I can't keep getting notifications. At first it was fun. And it was like, oh, look at all these people. Ding, ding, ding. ding, ding." And now it's just like, oh my gosh, I have to put my phone away for a while. Right. When your phone is getting hot because the battery's like, I can't keep up with all these dings. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so at that point i was like oh okay like this is, this is becoming a thing like this is happening i know that most of the messages you get are fantastic it's people uh-huh. saying like hey i saw your post it's inspiring love watching your progress you know hey what do you how did you jump from this to that and that yeah. sort of thing but a friend of mine her name is Haley. Um, and she has a lot of Instagram followers and much like you, <clears throat> she is, she's a, she's a good looking young lady, mm-hmm. um, blonde hair and she gets some weird stuff. Oh, sent yeah. to her. She oh, yeah. gets how much, how much to, for, for a picture of you wearing this or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, she's like, oh my God. Oh, you know, it's like, it, cause and she's married and she gets crazy stuff because guys are ridiculous. I've had guys ask to buy my socks. I've had guys <laughs> ask. <laughs> okay. We're not going to skip right over that, Amy. How much did they do offer? I did ask, of course. How much, how much, how much think, were they offering for your socks? I think they offered $50 and I was like, I'll do it for 200 and they were like, no. And I was like, then I'm sorry. <laughs> I love it. Some guy's like, listen, she's an Instagram person. I need her socks. I need those socks. What are you, what are you going to frame them? Do you put them in a shadow box? I, mean, I don't want to even think about what is going to happen to those socks. I don't, I don't want to either. Let's just pretend he's like, you know what? Let's just pretend he's going to put him in a shadow box Yeah, and he's going to hang him up on his wall. Um, it's <laughs> yep. a weird space. Sometimes. Yeah. But then you get, cause you, you, you get to a certain point and companies start reaching out to you mm-hmm. and they're like, Hey, we noticed you're a runner. Will you try our blank? Mm-hmm. Um, was that, do you remember the first person that, a company that reached out and was kind of like, Hey, let's work out a partnership. You're an influencer now. The first one. Oh man. I don't recall what the first one was, but I knew that I always wanted Nike to reach out to me. That was like my, my vision. Like I had Mm -hmm. this Instagram and I was like, someday, maybe 
Nike will like reach out and be like, oh, let me let me pay you to wear my stuff. And that was always the vision. And about a year ago, I got an email and it was from Nike. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And I think I like called my mom like crying because they they did. They paid me. I think it was like two thousand dollars to try their shoes and post a picture in them. And I was like, this is the life. (laughs) I can't. Were you like, like, did you, if I get an email from Nike, first of all, I'm thinking I'm getting hacked. Like, right, like, right. hey, send us your bank account number and we'll give you $2,000 for a picture in these shoes. But then Nike does reach out to you. I'm sure you had to check and make sure that, you mm-hmm. know, it wasn't a scam. They weren't asking you for your bank account number and all of that. And then they send you well, a pair of shoes. Better. They- they first were like, we will be sending you this this gift card for $500 and we would like you to buy whatever you'd like on the website to match whatever shoe color you buy. What? And I'm like, I'm sorry, but you're forcing me to buy things for myself. <laughs> wow. So- so I bring all this stuff and I had a trip planned to Hawaii. I was going to do Hawaii as my state. And I was like, oh, this is the perfect timing. I'm going to bring mm-hmm. all the Nike stuff there and they're going to be blown away by these photos. So I go to Hawaii and I bring all my Nike stuff. And then I hit my foot on some coral and I get foot stitches. <laughs> and I'm like, My husband is like wrapping up my foot in like duct tape so that we can take these photos. I'm like putting on the Nike shoes and like wincing every time I take a step. But you got to do it. You got to do it. That's when you say to yourself, like, listen, the theme of these photos (laughs) is going to be digging deep. And you know, like you look like you're miserable. Like you're like, you're saying to your husband, you go, listen, spray me with some mist. So I just look sweaty. Right. And then you fake like a running pose and you look just miserable. You're in massive amounts of pain. Yep. And the post is like, you know what? Pain doesn't take a day off. Sometimes you got to push through. They turn, <laughs> Hashtag they just do it. not okay. But ironically, <laughs> the same exact thing happened at the, at the New York Marathon because yeah. a brand reached out to have me promote their socks. And I was like, yeah, I can wear them at the New York Marathon. So I... I wear these socks and then I have the absolute worst race of my entire life. I'm like dying at mile 20 and I run past my mom and I'm crying and I hand her my phone and I'm like, just get one video of me in these socks. (laughs) (laughs) What? I'm like, I'm getting paid. (laughs) I like run by her. Mama's got to make some money. Take a video and make sure you get the socks in there. She's like shaking her head like, what the hell? She had no idea, you yeah. know, and she tries to explain to her friends when they're playing sheep's head at the house. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> only Wisconsin people are going to get that. Yep. Um, well, you know, my daughter, Amy, she's one of those those people. She is an influencer <laughs> on the ground and I'm people pay her money. My, grandma. my, grandma's, like, <laughs> my grandma's like, you and all of your endorsements. <laughs> Yeah, she's telling everybody yes. at, the, at the at the your grandma at the Sheep's Head game. They're like, I just hope Dolores doesn't talk about her granddaughter again. It's like a bunch of phony baloney. They Nike didn't pay her two thousand dollars for pictures of her shoes. Yes, that's. They were like, what? No, no. Can you imagine explaining that though? Can you imagine? No, you're at your grandma's house, like grandma. I didn't believe it. I mean, yeah, you're like, listen, they get Nike. The company that makes the shoes gave me money to take a picture of me wearing their shoes, and they gave me $2,000. That's more than their first house cost. It's so crazy, right? Like, yeah, but yeah, the world of Instagram and those types of promotions is really an interesting thing, but it hasn't all been pleasant. I will tell you that. There was one product that reached out. It was for these, these like, (laughs) these like, THC CBD gummies, right? And it was supposed to promote like relaxation and good sleep. And I'm like, yeah, let me try that. I'm marathon training. 
like whatever. They were going to pay me, get this, $4,000 to promote these, okay? <clears throat> what? So just keep that in mind as this story okay. progresses. So yeah. They're going to pay me $4,000. So I'm thinking like, oh, I, I'm gonna, I better love these things because like I can't turn down $4,000, what? So right. me and my husband, we're sitting on the couch and we're like, all right, we're going to take one. So we each take one, 10 minutes, 20 minutes goes by. We're like, we're not feeling anything. So we take another one. We woke up in the morning and could literally not see. Like I was like spinning. I couldn't get out of bed. I got out of bed and would like take a lap around the house and just go back into bed. <laughs> Jared got so afraid that he almost went to the hospital. Because we, were like, we were like so dizzy and so in pain. I had to email them and be like, I absolutely not like not in good conscience can promote your product even for $4,000. So I had to turn them down because I was like, these are hazardous. Like this is not good. Maybe you shouldn't have taken two. Maybe one would have worked. Now we're too nervous to try even just one. So. I know. I I live in a state where much like, uh, not, no, does Ohio have, Ohio has medicinal, right? Or is it completely? I think completely... they just passed the uh, recreational, like very recently. Okay. Because I, we don't, Tennessee is battling it out with Alabama and Mississippi to be the last state mm. to legalize marijuana. And so I, I, I don't get to, you know, partake in the wacky tobacco. I'm not living the toke life. <laughs> but when I went out to California not too long ago, you know, I'm like, hey. I'm going to live this up. I'm in California. They don't drug test me at work. You know, I'm a DJ for crying out loud. They don't sit there and go, hey, bunch of pee in this cup so we can see if you can play Adele songs all day. Um, So my my buddy got some of those gummy things that had THC in them. And I I took one. And I'm like, man, I I must be Cheech and Chong level you know, tolerance to this stuff because I'm not feeling a thing. Not knowing that it doesn't, it, it takes, it takes 10, 20, 30 minutes for it to kick in. So I take more thinking like, okay, well, I must be, you know, some man that needs way more of this in my life. And 30 minutes. Oh God. I was at a point where I couldn't remember anything past 30 seconds. Like I was living in this you're endless 30 second life. loop right yes yeah. i'm living in this 30 second loop i'm like where am i how did i get here you know and it was it was the absolute strangest thing yeah. ever yeah um i learned that i have to to tone it down uh, a friend of mine who lives out in colorado and he he runs high all the time gave me some some marijuana infused coffee beans and oh, i did wow. the same thing i took two of them and I had to take the dog for a walk after that. And I swear to God, I was like watching myself from above myself oh, taking the dog for a walk. I, it was the strangest. It's like, what is this? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I have, I can say I have not done it before a run, but I have accidentally done it the night. Like when we were in Arizona, I took too many cookies. And in the morning, it was. It was bad news. I could like, I was like, like cold and like sweating and like <laughs> pale. And my mom's like, you don't have to do this. And I'm like, I'm doing this. She's like, you do not look good. Like you, it's okay if you just walk it. Like you, you don't look well. Your mom, you and your mom were, were eating marijuana infused cookies before a race. <laughs> yes. That's an awesome mom right there. She is the best. She's a great. She's like, oh, just take a couple. Just a handful will be okay. I'm sure it won't be a problem. Like, oh, you like them? You could probably just have one more. <laughs> right, right. Like it's Chips Ahoy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, really good. I saw that. How did that how did that race go? You're you're you look like you were walking death. Yeah. You ran that pretty much high. How was yeah. the high? How was the high half? Um, I can honestly say I do not remember the first like six miles. <laughs> I had like a reawakening at like mile six where I was like, oh, I'm, Where am I? I'm, yeah, I'm here and I'm running right now. 
Like, I, better, I better keep going or I might not make it to the end. Like, I think it was just one foot in front of the other. And then and then I finished and we had more cookies and we went to the Sawar or uh, what is it? Joshua Tree National Park. And that was fun. You're like, where's you two? This is so full of crap. You're high out of your mind. <laughs> yeah, my mom was like walking around Joshua Tree like, which one are the Joshua Trees? And yeah. I'm like, oh. hey. Hey Joshua, where are you? Where are those? Are these the are these the Jeff trees? Where are those Joshua trees? Walking around. Yeah, that's basically her. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the that's every Wisconsin mother. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom talks just like that, and she swears up and down she doesn't. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Oh, we don't have an accent oh, in Wisconsin. Yeah. What are you talking about? You know, it's like yeah, it's like. <laughs> yeah. How many times have you heard when you tell them like, "Hey guys." I just got two grand to wear Nike shoes. Like, oh wow! Oh, oh. yeah, it's such a funny accent. I love it. It's it's so endearing. But I saw your story about the cookies, and I'm glad you brought it up. I'm glad we're able to have a, a fun right. conversation about weed, um, because I think this leads you into a new space, Amy. <laughs> I think you should jump into the world of trail and ultra running because I mean, it's pretty much what it is. It's running while you're high. Have you given any thought to hopping on a trail and maybe doing a 50 K and seeing how fast you can blitz that? I would love to, I will, I will say this. I will definitely be trying some sort of ultra event after I finish the States, um, which I will finish my last one in October of this year. So after that, I am very excited to dabble in, other races because up until now sure i've done 52 or more half marathons i've only ever done two marathons and two 5ks and that is it that's like the extent of my repertoire of races so okay half marathons have been like the only thing and that's why i've gotten so good at them is because that is what I do. I only do half marathons and I practice it and I practice the distance and I know the distance like the back of my hand, but I would love to challenge myself in other ways. Like, like you said, like an ultra or like trails. I would, I definitely am excited to do that. I think a certain part too, with your Wisconsin heritage, I interviewed a guy, um, whose episode play is right before yours. Mm -hmm. Um, his name is Will Sprouse and Will just finished his 100th 100 mile race. Wow. Um and Will fuels. This is Will's ultra fuel. He he's a, he's a he owns restaurants and he has a pizza restaurant hmm. and he makes something called the 100 mile pie which has crust on the bottom, crust on the top. It's a double supreme with jalapenos in it. He makes that, he cuts it up, puts it in baggies. That's what he eats when he runs. Wow. But he also but he gets even better, Amy. He also fuels on beer. He drinks beer at every aid station. He crushes oh beers. Some races he runs with like 25, he like crushes 25 beers between the start and the finish. Other times it's 30. He believes that beer is the best you know, drink for him because the alcohol goes directly into the bloodstream, turns to sugar, and you're burning it so fast you don't have time to get to get drunk off of it. And so he runs 100-mile races on pizza and beer. I guess the pizza, I mean, it would keep your carbs high. Um, and if you're using the beer as like a faster fuel, I mean, yeah. I guess it, it kind of checks out. It, it makes a little sense. I'm thinking right now, if Johnsonville Bratz is listening to this episode, you're going to get a message saying, we will pay you $4,000 to fuel your next race on Johnsonville Bratz. I think I would go with the pizza. I, I, I feel like that's a, good, that's a good strategy. Like a Chicago deep dish. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of carbs. Yes. Actually, Chicago deep dish is what I had before my first half marathon. So, I mean, it seems fitting. Okay. Yeah, very good. Mm-hmm. The, the thing about, I know people like to poop on the Chicago deep dish, but mm-hmm. if it's done right, it's really fantastic. It is. It is. Yeah, but it does have to be done right or else it's really soggy and, and gross. Yeah, kind of kind of a mess. So mm-hmm. so once you're done with this and you, you, you've raced across to all the states, you have 2 million Instagram followers. 
getting big offers to buy your socks. <laughs> yep. Um then you you can kind of dip into the ultra world <clears throat> and the and the the you know the longer distances and kind of see what you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think I've built up the strength, like leg strength that will support that type of distance. So but I don't know anything about training for ultras. So I think that would be a fun, a fun challenge for sure. I think it's just a lot of eating pizza is what it is. Yeah. It's a lot of running you know? and eating pizza. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like what more could you possibly want? Pizza and all of that. Yeah. yeah. I do also like the laid back nature of just the ultra and trail world. Um, mm-hmm. As somebody who's been super competitive with my running, it's awesome for a period of time and then it becomes you get to a level where it's just like I don't this isn't as fulfilling as it once was and it gets very very hard to keep seeing progress Mm -hmm. and so you do have to find other ways to challenge yourself like with with trails or with distance or whatever so yeah the atmosphere is completely different too (laughs) which what you'll notice when you finish this and you shift over to a trail race Mm -hmm. First of all, people are dressed entirely different. Like you are going to sit there and go, am I at a running race or is this an anorexic lumberjack convention? Like you're going to have to ask somebody like, is this a race? What's going on here? (laughs) What's with all these beards and flannel? I I don't get this. And then everybody's so nice. Mm -hmm. And and like if, if, you know, you're not used to talking while you run, people are going to talk and you'll get to know people's life story and, and get to, you know, go to these aid stations where instead of just whatever goo has left over, like, listen, we, we couldn't sell, we had a hard time this year selling birthday cake goos. So we're sending all the birthday cake flavors to the Chicago half marathon and you're running by and you're like, you got a goo. Yeah. It's birthday cake. I'd rather eat dog shit. Yeah. That was so gross. It's so gross. Where the food is different. Like you'll see like, are you seriously making quesadillas here? Yeah. There's bowls of M&Ms and potato chips and all that stuff. It's an entirely different world. That's awesome. That sounds wonderful. I think you'll dig it. Yeah. That sounds I'm cool. excited. Can we, um, cause I, I know, I know you'll probably grow to lengths where you won't respond to tertiary running podcast interview requests, but I'd love to have you back on after your first ultra to kind of compare and contrast. Compare I love contrast. you. I'm always down to do podcasts. So okay. got well, I've got your email now, so I don't need to, I don't need to, exactly. I don't need to ask how much to buy your socks to get yeah. your attention. To the have DMs you come are out. a dangerous place, but the email. <laughs> <laughs> what is one lesson um, that you've learned over your years of trying to gain speed and getting faster and faster and faster, what is one lesson that you've learned that has helped you get faster over the years? Um, that before you ever care about speed, you just have to like actually enjoy what you're doing. Um, like the, literally the biggest tip I could give anybody is to enjoy running or to make, keep it fun because if it's yeah. not fun, you're not going to want to keep doing it. You're not going to stay consistent with it and you're not going to make progress. If it is fun and you're enjoying yourself and you're not too hard on yourself and you're not too serious with yourself, you'll probably be more likely to keep showing up and naturally keep making progress. So I think just keeping it fun, keeping it light. One of the things I, I noticed you post a lot about, because again, you're in my algorithm, yeah. is you, you talk a lot about running most of your the pace like what your race pace is versus what your training pace is. Mm-hmm. And I think it, every runner of every level, whether you're doing that couch to 5K, whether you're doing the half marathon, the marathon, if you're in the ultra world, you're running your first 100, there is, we've heard it so many times mm-hmm. and we've seen so many examples of it, but the hardest lesson for so many of us to learn is correctly pacing workouts versus racing. We think we have to work out at race pace in order to, to run able, race pace. Right. And and one thing I saw that was really fascinating was a post you made recently about your race pace being 615, right? Mm-hmm. This is a good race pace for you. You're running your race miles at six minutes and 15 seconds. And that your training pace 
on most days hovers between eight and a half to ten and a half minutes. Yep. That's yep. shocking. <clears throat> yeah. It was is. That, but- was that hard for you? Were you like, I the, 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 can this this can't be real? And then you had an epiphany with it, or, or where did you get the the strength of ego? To be able to slow down so much, to be able to race so much faster. It's counterintuitive for sure. I mean, you would naturally think like in order to run faster, you have to train faster. But it actually happened, um, it was a handful of years ago, probably four years ago. Uh, I I was running all of my runs at the same pace, at 7.30 pace. And then I was going into races and I was racing at 7.30 pace. And I was coming back home and training. And I kept trying to add miles. and like like run more so that I could keep getting better because I just wasn't getting better by running that pace all the time. So I was like, all right, I'll just keep running more. And maybe if I run more, I'll, I'll get better. And I started running more and I immediately started having all of this pain in my Achilles. And I went to the doctor and he was like, yeah, if you don't stop doing what you're doing, you are going to fully tear your Achilles. Like it is on the brink of like huge disaster. So I kept doing exactly what I was doing and ignored him like most runners would. And about a week later, I could barely walk. I like was on my last like effort of anything. And I would go to the, to the gym and I would just like cry and sulk because I like couldn't walk anymore. Um, and at that point I decided like, okay, something has to change. And I did start running way slower. Um, and then I showed up to race day and I felt great and I actually did better. And I was like, okay, there is something to the fact that like I'm doing too much during my training. So I did, I flipped things around totally at that point. Like I just like cold Turkey stopped running race pace at any point outside of races, except for like in small batches. Um, yeah. and I started doing most of my runs at that, at that easy range. And it, paid off so very much yeah and it changed i mean you probably saw a massive increase in speed and you were like oh my god i've gone from seven and a half minute miles to 645 to 630 to to 620 just by running eight and a half to ten and a half minute miles all the time Mm -hmm. yep and just being strategic about when you incorporate speed i mean it it gives your body a chance to do other things too like even strength training and everything those benefits aren't gonna happen if you're pushing your body all the time in all the ways good stuff all the way around amy i'm excited to to have you finish um the the one thing first of all if you're in shape to run a marathon you could you could tomorrow go out and run a hundred miler you could really there's there's, yes the difference in pace probably well there's two things you'd have to, to learn to do number one you're gonna have to learn to eat while you run and you're gonna have to learn to be able to run but while digesting a larger amount of calories because you're probably putting down maybe 80 calories an hour when you're running a yeah. you're running for you're running for an hour and 20 minutes you maybe take one gel you're fine you're going to have to figure out to get your body ready to digest 250 to 300 calories an hour wow yeah that would you be know? a very big change Right. And so just practicing that and getting that down, because really anything past 26.2 is nutrition. Like how much can your, even 26.2, I think nutrition is honestly the hardest part of marathon. It is the training itself, like whatever, but the nutrition gets me every time I bonked both marathons. (laughs) Yeah. No, because you can flub your way through a half. You really can. I can't do that with a marathon. It's a totally different game. So if you can get that down and figure out what works best for you, right? Like there's, there's gels that are 250 calories in the ultra space. And then you, you combine that with a drink and whatever you can kind of work, what works best for you. If you can figure that out and and get that down and then you can get comfortable with running for you, it'd be, you know, seven and a half minute miles, seven forty fives, and just knocking them off and knocking them off and knocking them off. Mm -hmm. You could. You'd probably be even eight, like eight or nine. Like if you're living in that <laughs> seven to nine space, right? And finding that sweet spot in that seven to nine space where you can just go all day, all day, all yep. day, all day. You could you could easily do it. Hmm. Well, I'll be reaching out to you for some recommendations then. 
All right, big things are coming for you. Amy Haas, go, if you're not following her on Instagram, get in my algorithm. Yes, get in her algorithm. (laughs) uh, Race across the states on Instagram. Be one of the soon to be 100,000 people who (laughs) message Amy, sometimes inspiring things, sometimes asking to buy her socks and everything in between. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Amy. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) Wow, 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 wow